One of my most frequent prayers when people come forward in church is, Jesus, you have come to heal the brokenhearted. Well, we're not getting people to come forward to the front of church for prayer right now. But God is not in lockdown. Wherever we are, he's right there. And this morning I want to talk about rejection, which causes heartbreaking wounds. And Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. Now somehow lockdown also has the effect of rubbing salt into these wounds. Rejection has been a biggie for me as a child, right through school, growing up. But God has chosen me. Hey, God has picked me for his team. I've got a place in his family. God was a remedy for my pain. And I really want this for you today. And God wants it a whole lot more. His desire for all of us and for you is freedom from the pain, from the limitations of rejection, from that brokenheartedness. So let's look to him for a lockdown miracle. Now the one time famous, now hugely infamous road cyclist, Lance Armstrong, who somehow won the Tour de France seven times in a row, once said, a boo is a lot louder than a cheer. Isn't that the truth? A boo is a lot louder than a cheer. We've all heard the boos. And what rings louder in our ears? What sticks? We want you or get lost. You were fantastic. You could do better than that. You were useless. What sticks around? Lance Armstrong hit the nail on the head. The boo is a lot louder than the cheer. The boo is about rejection, which is an unavoidable part of being human. And we've all had it one way or another. Rejection is that hideously painful feeling of not being wanted, not being loved, excluded, not good enough, not part of the group, even worse, not part of the family. And it deeply affects how we see ourselves and how we see others. Now some of my thoughts today come from Derek Prince's book, God's Remedy for Rejection. And he puts it this way, rejection makes us feel like we're always on the outside looking in, never good enough, never making it. And isn't that the worst feeling? You see, we all long to belong. Belonging is one of the greatest human needs and God knows all about that because he's made us that way. He planned for us to have a life of belonging. But in this life, things don't always go according to plan. And Jesus himself suffered terrible rejection. Isaiah 53 and verse 3, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But the Bible shouts that we belong to God. That's because Jesus died so that we could belong. In Romans 1 and verse 6, Paul greets the church in Rome by saying, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. God's plan for each one of us is for love, belonging and acceptance. In Genesis 2 and verse 18, God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable 
to him. Psalm 68 and verse 6, God sets the lonely in families. Now studies suggest that having a sense of belonging brings a lot of benefits. On the other hand, when our sense of belonging is broken, and especially if it gets broken in childhood, then it opens the door to a lot of dysfunction, including relationship problems and mental health issues. Derek Prince again says rejection is one of the commonest roots of all personal problems, things like addictions, insecurity, broken relationships, broken families, even suicide. Rejection has a lot to answer for. Rejection also handicaps us as God's image bearers. Right at the end of his book, Derek Prince concludes, the primary result of rejection is the inability to receive or communicate love. That means we're limited in receiving love from others, even those closest to us, and from God. Then we're handicapped when it comes to loving others. Love is an attribute of God which we're supposed to demonstrate in all our relationships, family, church family, friends, neighbours, workmates, and the world around us. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And sadly, so many wonderful and lovely people have been deeply wounded by rejection and as a result are limited in their ability to receive and to communicate love. One of our cultures at Church Unlimited is people are our passion. Our goal is to love and care for one another, and in that case we really need God to help us to deal with the effects of rejection in our lives. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, the rejected. Luke 4 verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now the most damaging kind of rejection happens in childhood, especially when a child perceives rejection from a parent. Broadly speaking, there are three common scenarios of childhood rejection. Now, of course, these may well have a sad or a complex backstory, but these three are an unwanted pregnancy, parental favouritism, and when love is not demonstrated to a child, and that can be poor parenting, abandonment, or something like that. Now, looking at parental favouritism, I read this story. This lady had two daughters, and one was definitely her favourite. Now, one day she heard a noise, and she thought this was her favourite daughter, so she called out, Is that you, darling? And the other daughter answered, No, it's only me. That was a real wake-up call for that mother. She realised that her favouritism was really hurting her other daughter, so she repented and she began to work hard on repairing that damaged relationship. Right, moving on. Jesus has been through so much rejection. He fully identifies with us. He cares. He knows exactly how we feel because he's been through so much himself. 
we'll start with the book deal. Now there are untold stories of successful writers getting their books rejected by publishers. But the most rejected book ever is God's book, the Bible. No other book has been rejected like it. The Bible is God's written word and Jesus is the living word of God. Now apparently right now there are 52 countries in the world where it's illegal to have a Bible and others where you can be severely persecuted if you're caught with one. Now one scholar says that one of these countries where it's strictly illegal to have a Bible is also the country with the highest rate in the world of people turning to Jesus. In other words, the highest rate of people getting the main message of the Bible, which is God's plan of salvation through the death of Jesus on the cross. Doesn't make sense. About 2,000 years ago, a Roman emperor called Diocletian burned thousands of copies of the Bible. They would have been handwritten and then he ordered that all Bibles be destroyed. And then he boasted, I have completely eliminated Christian writings from the face of the earth. Really? 500 years later, the huge mausoleum that was his grave became a Christian church. The Bible has been translated into more languages than any other book even though so many of the translators tragically suffered horrendous deaths. For around 2,000 years, the Bible has been so rejected in untold ways in so many nations, and yet around 5 billion copies have been sold, making it the most read and the best-selling book ever of all time. Rejection is not terminal. That applies to books. It applies to us. There is life after rejection. Jesus was rejected by his own creation. Wow, how many parents know about this? John 1 verse 10 to 12. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus made the world and everything in it, but when he came as a man, most people took no notice of him. They didn't want to know him, didn't worship him, didn't love him, didn't appreciate any of the blessings that they'd received from him. He faced rejection from family members. His own family rejected him as a Messiah. His brothers didn't believe in him while he lived on this, in this world. Jesus faced rejection from his community. When he returned to his hometown of Nazareth, neighbours and family friends that he grew up with took offence at him. In other words, they had that attitude, who do you think you are? He knows what it's like to lose the love and support of a community and to feel unwelcome in a place that was once home to him. He was rejected by people who once claimed to love him. How many people have been rejected by a friend? Worst of all, he faced rejection from his father. On the night Jesus was arrested, we read in Matthew 26, 38, 
He was very sorrowful, even to death. And then we see in Luke 22:44, he was in such anguish that he started to sweat blood. Now that was more than worrying about the physical agony ahead of him. I mean, that in itself was unthinkable. But he was also dealing with knowing that he would be abandoned and separated from God. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was literally being tortured to death. He could have been screaming, I can't take any more of this pain, or begging, why do I have to go through this? But his cry was, why have you forsaken me? He was feeling utterly abandoned, first by man, worst of all, by God. Jesus drank the cup of rejection to the bitter end. He did that for us, so that we could be accepted. You know, Jesus actually died relatively quickly for someone who has been crucified, and that's because he died of a broken heart. Well, why do we say Jesus died of a broken heart? Well, if we saw someone being stabbed with a spear or something, well, let's hope that we never do, but if we did, we would expect to see blood gushing out of the wound. Well, when Jesus died from crucifixion, one of the Roman soldiers stabbed him in the side with his spear. John was there, and obviously he thought it was important to mention that not only blood flowed out when the soldiers stabbed Jesus, but water as well. And he was right, this was important. Now where did the water come from? Well, without going into all the science behind it, the only way that that could happen was that Jesus' heart physically ruptured. That means he didn't die of asphyxiation, which was the norm for crucifixion, but literally of a broken heart, as he took on himself the sins, the sickness, and the rejection of the entire world. Jesus faced the full force of rejection. So he fully understands the rejection that you and I face and he can help us recover. Isaiah 53 and verse 4, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And this is how much Jesus loves us. He willingly took on so much sin and pain that it literally broke his heart. He literally died of a ruptured heart. And this is the nature and the magnitude of the love of Jesus. And Matthew 27, 51 tells us that the moment he died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The moment Jesus died, that unbelievably thick and incredibly strong curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. That, that means the barrier between God and man was destroyed. His rejection means our acceptance. Jesus bore our rejection, our rejection, and God has chosen and accepted us. Ephesians 1 verse 6, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. 
So how do we recover from rejection? Well, we must ask the Holy Spirit to help us to identify how and when we were so badly wounded. When we bury stuff alive, because we want it, usually want to bury it, not think about it, it causes trouble. We need to dig it up and deal with it, and we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and help us. We need to pray and invite Jesus to heal our broken heart. We have to bravely face this. We might need to get prayer from a leader, from a friend, a life group. We might need to talk to a counsellor. We must forgive, and this is absolutely vital. When the world rejected Jesus, the Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And we've got to follow his example and forgive those who hurt us. And this is just so vital. It's not easy, but God requires it, and it's the real key. Now, if we can't do it ourselves, the Holy Spirit is right there to help us. Forgiveness is not an emotion, it's a decision. By God's grace, we can make it and walk in it. Sometimes when we've been very badly hurt, forgiveness is a process, a bit like grief. We must deal with any destructive fruit of rejection. Forgiveness goes hand in hand with letting go of bitterness and resentment. We don't want to hang on to bitterness. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that someone else gets sick. No, it hurts us. Again, we must ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us things like bitterness or any other bad fruit, rage, anger, hatred, rebellion, or that kind of defensiveness that causes people to like build a facade, a hard outer layer that stops other people from getting close then we must believe that God has accepted us and chosen us. He has. It's the truth, and we just have to keep telling ourselves until it sinks in. Then we have to accept ourselves. As they say, warts and all. God accepts us. He loves us. Who are we to reject what God accepts? We can find acceptance with God's people, by joining a life group or a serving team, somehow getting involved and being a part of God's family. God wants that. Jesus went through so much. He bore our rejection on the cross. He's come to heal the brokenhearted, but we have to do some process here. And as we take steps to recover from our own rejection, we can reach out and help others. Be there. Pray for them. Listen. Encourage and do what we can to love and accept. Acceptance includes all. Acts 10 verse 34 tells us that God is no respecter of persons. We really must treat all people the same if we want to demonstrate God's love and acceptance. And I just think it's so important as Christians that we're not racist in any way in thoughts, words or deeds because racism in this day and age is so often a cause of rejection. And sadly, some of you may well have experienced that firsthand. God is no respecter of persons. 
And we too must have that attitude that every person is made in the image of God. Everyone is of great value and must be respected the same. We are redeemed from rejection. We belong to God and we've got to get this too. We are redeemed. Jesus redeemed us. To redeem means to buy back and wow. What a price he paid. We've looked at that. But that speaks volumes about how valuable we are, the price he paid. We belong to God for two reasons. First of all, he made us, so we're his. And secondly, he paid so dearly to redeem us. He paid that great price, so we're his. We all long to belong, and there it is. We couldn't belong more. Rejection is acutely painful. It can be crippling. It can be a massive handicap in life, but it doesn't have to be terminal. And the good news is that God makes good in the hardship. God works good in the hardships that we go through. We've got to move on, not let the pain of our rejection prevent us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. You know, someone said, for every setback, God has a major comeback. Don't you love it? Isn't that the truth? Joseph had big dreams. He had big setbacks. Oh, wow. And he was majorly set up by one of our big rejection no-nos, parental favoritism. Things got so bad for Joseph that when he was 17 years old, his older brothers hated him so much they planned to kill him. Well, praise God, they didn't quite go that far, but they settled instead for plan B, and they sold him to a bunch of Egyptian slave traders. Rejection plus, plus, plus. Fast forward another 17 or so years. Joseph had been through slavery, a major false accusation that set him up for a number of years in a horrific Egyptian dungeon, and then miraculously he was released and installed as Pharaoh's 2IC. Through all those years of physical and emotional torment, Joseph kept his heart right. He held on to God, he held on to his dream. And finally he got to the place where he basically saved the world through seven years of severe famine. And then... Believe it or not, his brothers were bowing down before him just as God showed him in his dreams. Joseph faced major rejection and trials and setbacks, but God was with him. God worked it out. God had a major comeback. Listen to Joseph's gracious words to his brothers. Genesis 50 verse 20. But as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph faced shocking rejection and hardship, but he came through and fulfilled God's great destiny for his life. The key here, as with Jesus, was forgiveness, not holding on to resentment and taking the attitude that God worked it all for good, and he will do the same for us. He brings good out of it. Joseph actually named his sons Ephraim and Manasseh. 
with the meaning of forgetting the pain of the past and prospering in the land of his suffering. The Bible is full of rejects who suffered serious setbacks, but God came through with major comebacks, and he's got that for us. He can do it. Where do we start? Let's recap. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us identify how or where we've been hurt by rejection. And remember, if we bury stuff alive, it causes trouble. The vital key, we must forgive. Let go the bad fruit of rejection. Believe that we are accepted and chosen by God. He loves us so much, he was willing to die of a broken heart. We must accept ourselves. And for every setback, God has a major comeback. For every rejection, God has a major belonging. Just believe it, receive it. God is bigger than any rejection. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Let's just pray. God, I thank you that you went through so much for our acceptance. Lord, you suffered so much for our healing. And Father, I thank you that even at this time, you are doing lockdown miracles. And Father, I just thank you for your goodness, your goodwill, for your power. And I pray that you will come and minister healing to every rejected soul. God, that you would set everybody on that journey to healing, wholeness, on that pathway to destiny. Lord, you came to heal the brokenhearted, and I lift every broken heart out there to you and pray that you will come and minister today. Time, distance is nothing to you. Come and minister to every wound. Heal in that pour in that healing, soothing balm of your Holy Spirit and work a major lockdown miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, God is with you. God is not in lockdown. He has come to heal the brokenhearted and he wants to take you this morning to begin a journey from rejection to redemption just let the song minister to you now as he continues to move in this process. God bless you.